How you doing? All right, everybody okay? All right, good. Hey, I'm going to have the ushers come forward, help us with tithes and offerings. While they're coming, let me just tell you, I like to give praise reports right now. I literally, just a moment ago, headed up on stage, uh, spoke with one of the guys from our safety team, and he said, he said, I'm not supposed to brag on myself. He said, but I just got to tell you that ever since prayer and fasting, what I decided to give up was my chew. It's my, my nicotine. You have to hear it that way. My nic- all, all the rednecks understood when I said it. The rest of y'all need to understand. All right. <laughs> That means he gave up his nicotine. He said, I hadn't touched it since the fourth, and God's getting me through it, and, it's, and I've been good, and God's going to see me through it. Today. Come on now. Come on now. That's the power. That's the power of prayer and fasting, and that's the power of sacrificing to the Holy Spirit, and we all need to give in to that, and it's because God puts us here, and it's because you provide the, the, the ability for us. to. You see what I'm saying? All of this ties together. Your giving, your, your faithfulness, your service, your teaching in children's church, your working in the parking lot, whatever you do for the Lord here, just help the guy get past nicotine. And we're going to believe that he ain't going back. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so let's pray together. Father God, thank you for everything you do. We give you praise and we lift you high. It is your name we shout, not ours. And we thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. And everybody said together. Amen. Amen. You guys could go ahead. Now, I'm going to do something that we almost never do here. I'm going to completely shift the sermon series, and it was not planned six months ago. Uh, this was planned four days ago. And so I, I, just, I just want you to know we're going to do something totally different than probably what's on your handout. And, um, and what we want to do is we want to focus in. I want to focus in for a few weeks on this issue of prayer. We've gone into 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you need to know, if you're new at this church, this is not new for this church. We do prayer and fasting on a regular basis here, and this 21 days of prayer and fasting is is what we're doing in the fall, but I want to take some time. I was wrestling with it. I'm going to be honest with you. I was wrestling with, this is what I need to preach on, And and then a couple of the pastors called me and said, I think maybe you ought to do this. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll do this. I'll preach on prayer if you'll make sure there's an easy way for people to connect with prayer once I preach on it for the entire four weeks I preach on it. So I, I want everybody to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I'm going to preach on prayer for four weeks, and I don't want you to miss any one of them. Because I'm going to tell you, there, I want you to learn what's here because this, I believe prayer is the untapped power source inside of all of Christianity. Okay, and you need to understand that if you are not living an effective prayer life, you are missing the power that God has for you and the power that God wants for you. And listen, I want you to hear me because some of you that have been in church a long time, you're already starting to feel the guilt wash over you. Because that's how we preached prayer over the years is through guilt. I want you to know I'm not going to do it that way. I don't care if you're a brand new Christian or if you've been a Christian for 40 years, we're going to talk about prayer and I'm not going to use guilt to lay it on you. Everybody's got that look at your neighbor and say, he's not going to make you feel guilty. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor and say one other thing. I want you to tell your neighbor one other thing. Look at your neighbor and say, but he won't make you feel good. Tell your neighbor (laughs) about being bad. Got it? All right. I ain't going to make you feel guilty, but I'll never make you feel good about being bad. Everybody's got it? All right. That's just the way it works. So I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about how prayer works in our life. I want to talk about why prayer works in our life. I want to deal today with the practice of prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, here's where I want you to turn. 
I want, you, I want you to go to the book of James. It's in the New Testament all the way toward the back. If you got your Bible and your Bible's that thick, it's that far toward the end. Everybody's got it? That's how you get there. All right, so go to James. It's the book of James. It's a letter written by the apostle James to the general church. So it's written to everybody. So we literally can say that this letter is written to us because James writes it to every church everywhere and he's speaking directly to every Christian everywhere. So we can literally say this book is written to us. Okay, so, so in fact, look at Jabez and say, he wrote it to you. Tell your neighbor that. I want you to remember that, okay? So I'm gonna start reading in chapter five, the, 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 the epistle of James, chapter five, and I'm gonna be in verse 13 is where I'm gonna start. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Understand something before I go any further. When we read this passage, we get all caught up in the healing in a physical sense. Is any one of you sick? Let them call the elders together. Let them pray. And the, and the, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We get caught up in that. But we miss the fact that it also talks about confessing to one another. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. You see, you see healing, healing is about more than physical sickness. I need you to understand, understand that. And I want you to hear me. Everybody listen to me. That's not a cop-out. Some people will think I'm just trying to take a cop-out to say God's not healing somebody and it's because of sin. That is not what I'm saying. There's more to healing than just physical healing. There's also spiritual healing. There's also emotional healing. There's also relational healing. There's also financial healing. There's also societal healing. There's also national healing. We see all of these in scripture. The problem is that when we talk about healing as Christians, we often get caught in one little tiny area of the power of God to bring healing. And if we don't see God move in that little tiny area exactly the way we want him to, we don't think God's doing his work. The problem is that healing is so much broader than that. And now let me keep reading. Let me keep reading. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm going to read that again. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives a for instance. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Elijah was a dude just like us. That's what he's saying. Elijah was a human being just like we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed that it would rain. That's not in there, but let me put that in there for you so that you'll understand it. He prayed that it would rain, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Somebody say amen. Now, I want to I show you the problem I see in, the, in this section of Scripture because I've, I've read this section of Scripture my whole life. 
I remember being a kid in church and hearing the preacher preach on this, okay? I've, I've heard and I've read from this section of scripture my whole life. And let me tell you what I think the problem is. The problem is when we read here, we focus on this phrase, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That's that we, we focus on that verse. We focus on, again, uh, we focus on the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We focus on Elijah prayed and it didn't rain. Then he prayed and it did rain. We focus on the power side of this thing. Watch, I want to show you something. We focus on the description of powerful prayer, and we fail to focus on the prescription for powerful prayer. And I'm telling you that in this verse, there is a prescription for powerful prayer inside these verses. And I read it for you. It reads in verse 16, the second verse, the second sentence in verse 16 says these words. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's a prescription in there that we need to pick up on. Now, now, can I have you do me a favor? I want us to read this from an old version of the Bible, the version I remember hearing it preached from. And then we're going to read it again from this version of the Bible. We're going to do all this together. And then I want to walk you through the difference between the two why the difference is there, and what we can learn from it, okay? So I'm going to have them put the scripture here on the verse in the King James Version, okay? It's the King James Version. Will you read this scripture right here with me? Let's read this together. Everybody out loud. Let's read together. The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. For everybody that's younger, availeth means gets a lot done. Okay, so so I want you to read it again and I want us to read it no matter where you are. I mean, listen, can I be honest? If you're sitting at your house and you're living in a room by yourself, I want you to read this out loud. Okay, if you're in a crowd like at a mall, don't read it out loud. They'll think you're crazy. Okay, but if you're sitting in a car, you're sitting, whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are, I want you to read this. Let's read this together one more time right here. Let's read this together. The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, let's read it in the, in the NIV version. They're going to flip it over to the NIV version. Read this version with us. The same phrases, the same words from Greek were brought across to give us these words. So read these words together. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you may think that those don't say the same thing, but they do. There's a, there, 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 there's a nuance in here that I want you to capture. And I always used to struggle when I was younger with why in the world do you get in the King James? Throw the King James back up there. Why in the world do you get in the King James these words effectual and fervent? See those two words. And then throw me the NIV up here. And then in the NIV, you only get the word that the, that, that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Why, why is it that it seems there's effective and fervent in, in, in the King James, but only effective in the NIV? Why is that true? So I looked it up. And what I found is in the Greek, the words effective and fervent come from the same Greek base. The Greek, the Greek base is this word. Inner jail. Does that sound familiar to you? The energy. The energy of prayer is the effectiveness and the fervency of it. Now, now I got to be honest. This word in a jail, it can be, it can be defined in multiple ways. 
it can come across as effective and it can come across as fervent. So when the translators of the King James all the way back in the 1600s brought this across, they saw that the word could go both ways and gave us both words. When the NIV writers brought it across, they said, let's be a little more succinct with it and let's go to the fact that the prayer is powerful and let's just talk about the fact that the person must be effective in their use of it. You see where I'm at? But it does not change the meaning of the word. Now, some of y'all are going, well, words can't have two meanings. Well, let me talk to you about a word in the English language. Because I have a friend who is from Guatemala, and their base language, his base language, Pastor Luis Martinez, his base language is Spanish. He has said to me before, English is most certainly the heavenly language. Because it takes an eternity to learn. I said, what do you mean? Because English doesn't seem that difficult to me. I grew up with it. It makes sense. He said, wait, watch. In English, everything runs. You run. Your car runs. Your refrigerator runs. Your nose runs. You can have the runs. Now y'all just tracked with me through all that, didn't you? But what if I was trying to translate this back to Greek? It could mean any of those things. That's what happens with every language when you try to come across like that. There are two different ways this word could come across. Either way, though, here's what I need you. And here's what you have to do when you're unpacking some of these words in Scripture. Sometimes you have to say, okay, which one makes the most sense in this setting? Which one may, and, and here's the deal with this word. Either one works here which means I need you to understand why the, 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 the God of heaven, the Holy Spirit, allowed the apostle James to use a word that had a dual meaning in a point where it could be taken either way because God means for your prayer to be effective and fervent. It mean, he means for your prayers to be both. Oh, 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 watch, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Oh, man, I got new markers and I didn't take the plastic off of them. This is not a straw. I will clean it. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, so what? Watch, 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 watch. Our prayers should be effective. There are three words here I want to work with, okay? Our prayers should be effective. Somebody say effective. Our prayers should be fervent. Somebody say fervent. Okay? And, our, and we should be righteous. Somebody say righteous. And all the, all, all the 80s children are going, righteous, dude. No, don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. All right, so that's not the right definition of that word. So, so, so our, our prayers should be effective. Again, say effective. Amen. Our prayers should be fervent. Say fervent. fervent. And our prayers should, and we should be righteous. Say righteous. Because you got to understand, it's about your prayers, but it's also about you. It's also about where you're at. It's not just about your prayer. All right, so watch. I want to, I, 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 I want to show you something. I want to show you something. This word, inner jail, this word, energy, that's the way you read it. That's the way you hear it when I say it. This word talks about being effective and fervent. Our prayers should be effective. When our prayers are effective, this is a matter of practice. Okay, it's a matter of practice. 
the, the, the idea that our prayers are effective is a matter of practice. How do we practice prayer? Do you practice prayer? You say, why do you use the word practice? Because none of us ever get it completely figured out. We're always practicing. Y'all all right? Doctors practice medicine. I'm just saying. <laughs> Obviously, meteorologists are always practicing. I mean, you see what I'm saying? We are practicing prayer. We are working on our practice of it. We are trying to get better at it because prayer is important in our lives. It is the, it is, it is the canal through which the power of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. And so we need to practice it. The fact of effective is a matter of practice. Now, here's where the guilt comes in. Here's where I usually, if I'm going to preach a normal church sermon, will slam guilt on about 40 to, 40 to 60% of you. You see, because if I were to do this the normal way, what I would say is you need to get up Two hours early, whatever time you get up, you need to get up two hours earlier and spend two hours in prayer first thing in the morning so that you can set your mind toward what God wants you to be for the rest of the day. Because how in the world can you go through your day without setting your mind where God wants you to be. And if you're willing to give an hour of your morning to, to, to the beltway, then you can give two hours of your morning to the God who is the God. Y'all with me? How many of you feel guilty already? Because some of y'all are sitting there going, oh, I wish I loved the Lord that much, but I'm not sure I do. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. Uh, y'all, y'all th this point, the reason prayer comes across like that is that people who write books in general are very structured people. People who write lessons in general are very structured people. People who communicate to large audiences in general are very structured people. And when very structured people talk to you about how to have a prayer life, they can't figure out why you don't get up at 4 a.m. to pray. But can I hear from the unstructured folks in the room? Because there's some of you that are like, dude, my babies didn't wake me up at 4 a.m. when they were little. You know what I'm saying? And so, so it just doesn't happen. And it's not going to, your, your life doesn't work that way. I, we have a friend, uh, the director of our, of our missions department in the, in the Wesleyan denomination is Dennis Jackson. His wife, Gwen, wrote a book. The book is called Unforced Rhythms. I willingly and very happily wrote an endorsement for the book because, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a little insight. I'm not a highly structured individual. I'm just not. I don't fit the categories I'm supposed to fit in many of these ways. And so the idea of doing anything the same time every morning, every day for the rest of my life is depressing to me. It is not life-giving to me. If I think I have to do the same thing every day at the same time for the rest of my life, I start to question whether life is worth living. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not quite that bad, but you, but you get what I'm saying. All the unstructured folks in the room understand what I'm saying. 
you know, and it's just, it's just not easy. It's not the way it works for me. And she wrote an entire book about unforced rhythms is what she called the book. And the book is about how to have a prayer life and a devotional life when you're not a highly structured individual and let it flow with the, with the rhythm and the pattern of who you are. Now, I need you to understand that's a real thing. Everybody understand? I, I read a book years ago by Ian e. Bounds. Ian e. Bounds used a phrase, I have never in my life forgotten. Ian e. Bounds said, when I am, he, and he, he, lived, he lived in a major city, and he said, when I am awakened in the morning by the sound of the baker's cart rolling past my window, I am awakened with guilt, for if he can arise three hours before I heard the wheels of his cart for the pursuit of money, I should be able to arise earlier than that for the pursuit of God. Wow. You know how much guilt that put in my life? That put a lot of guilt in my life. And God doesn't mean to give you guilt. Here's the deal. Here's what I want you to catch. Effective prayer is a matter of practice, which means what works for you. Whatever will have you actually pray. You know, you know, the other thing that I struggle with in this, because I'm not a very structured human being, is this whole idea of going to the gym and working out. I struggle with that. Because when you do that, you're supposed to go the same time every day, get in a rhythm, boom, 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 boom. Y'all, I don't even want to eat the same thing every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, I don't want anything structured like that, so I struggle. So, so the trainer that I worked for, with for years would say to me, the best exercise plan for you is the one you will actually do. You see, I went, oh, wow. Okay, hey, everybody listen to me. The best prayer plan for you is the one you will actually do. You don't have to pray like Ian e. Bounds. Very few people will. Some people will, and thank God for them. But, but, but I got to tell you, you may not. But you do have to come up with a plan. You've got to have an effective practice of prayer. Right? Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, you need an effective practice of prayer. One more time. Look at your neighbor and say it. And say it louder and stronger this time. You need an effective practice of prayer. You need to understand that. We need to put that in play. You know why? Because that's how we tap into who God is. I don't know what that means for you. It might be the drive on the way to work. It might, it, whatever works for you, do that. Don't try to be like somebody else. Well, I know I have a friend who is a great prayer warrior and he does it this way and I need to do it like him. No, you don't. You need to do it the way God made you to do it. Somebody say amen. Okay, you got to be effective. That's why I often will say to you, you know, I come to you and I say, I say you need to pray and, you, and then I'll ask the question, well, how much do I need to pray? And the answer is more. More than you already have been. If, you've, if you already pray for two hours a day, add five minutes to it. You don't need to add a whole lot. Just for a little while, add five minutes and you go back, all right? If you don't pray at all, add five minutes to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you all right? We've got to learn to have an effective practice of prayer. Then there's this word fervent. This word fervent has to do with energy, really does, really does say energy to you. All right, fervent is having a passion about what I'm doing. Why would you have a passion for prayer? Well, you see, I need you to understand, fervent is a matter 
of passion. Why would you have a passion for prayer? The answer is you would have a passion for prayer because you believe in it. Because you believe that it will actually make a difference. I need everybody to hear me when I say this. Prayer changes things. But prayer only changes things after it changes me. I need you to understand that. Prayer is powerful, but I'm not the one exercising the power. Can, 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 I, just, can, I, get, can I get you to understand something? I'm, I, we're gonna, I'll, I'll be a little more on this later. Your prayers are not powerful. I'm sorry. I don't mean to crush you. But your prayers are not powerful. But your God is. And, and you, you listen, listen, fervent prayer is not a matter of believing in your prayers. Fervent prayer is a matter of having faith in your God. Do you hear that? Fervent prayer is not a matter of trusting yourself. It's a matter of trusting your God. Can I, can I tell you something? I've been a Christian for like 40, 45 years, right? I have. I've been a Christian like forever, all right? I've been a preacher for 30 years. I am no more convinced of my capacity for, 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 for purity today than I was 35, 40 years ago. But I am more convinced than ever of the power of God to do in me what I'm incapable of accomplishing. I'm more convinced than ever. I am less convinced today of the power of my prayer than I ever have been. But I am more convinced of the power of the God I pray to than I ever have been. You see where I'm at? You say, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because if, if my fervency is based in me, it's going to fall down. That's right. That's right. It's going to fail me. My fervency must be placed in a God who never fails. My fervency must be placed in a God who never fails to hear, never fails to give the right answer, never fails to do the right thing. It's a matter of faith. Now, now, I don't mean by that. Again, again, here's again a point where we, we normally throw guilt on you. Because usually at this point, what I'll say is, when you don't pray in faith, it's not that you lack faith. You, you lack faith in your God. When you have fear, you lack faith. Fear is a lack of faith. If you don't find healing, you lack faith. You know, normally we would do that in church. Y'all, that's just wrong. That's kind of beating up on the saints in places you shouldn't. You know, the truth is, you don't need faith in you. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, don't have faith in you. Tell your neighbor that. Do it again. Just look at your neighbor and say, don't have faith in you. Look at your neighbor and say, have faith in God. You understand? Everybody look here. Everybody look at me. You understand? I just said something that is completely directly opposite of what the world is telling you. The world is teaching you every day to have faith in you. And you know why we're depressed and discouraged? Because we keep trying to have faith in ourselves and we keep letting ourselves down. Mm, 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 mm. There's a whole sermon in there. Okay, but, but we do that. And then the world says, no, 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 no. Just have faith in you. Everything you need is inside of you. It's a whole new world. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, no, no. I need to have faith in something that is bigger than me. And that's the God of heaven. And that's where the fervency of my prayer comes from. I, I, sometimes I pray like King David did when his son was born and was sick and was dying. 
he, 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 began to, he began to fast and he began to pray and he wouldn't come out of his room and he, would, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't wash. He, wouldn't, he just stayed in his room and he prayed 24-7, praying, not sleeping, not eating, nothing, just praying. And his servants got very nervous for him. And then the baby died and they're like, well, we're not going to tell him the baby died. He's depressed enough about this. Look how long he's praying. We're not going to tell him the baby. They came in and he, he said to them, baby died, didn't he? They said, yeah. He got up and washed. And he ate and he moved on. They said, why did you do that? Listen to his words. Because as long as the baby was alive, there was a chance God might heal him. And I wasn't going to miss that chance. But now that I know what God's will is, we will move on and God is still good. You hear that? You say, whoa, preacher, time out. The baby died. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's not a nice story. It's not a great story. The baby died because of David's sin. You got to understand that. And David knew that, but he now knew that God was still with him and that he would see that baby again one day in heaven. He knew that one day he would be there with him. He understood. Yo, can I tell you something? I want everybody to hear me. And I want everybody. Okay. Listen, 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 listen. Do not stop listening halfway through what I'm about to say. Listen to everything I'm about to say. It is no cop out. It is no play on words for me to say to you that the ultimate healing is the journey to heaven. That some people see that as a cop-out. God didn't heal and you're just trying to give him an excuse. No, no, no. God views the world from his perspective and his perspective is an eternal perspective and, and heaven is the next step for all of us. In an eternal perspective, heaven's the next step. It's not something to be avoided and it's not something to be chased. You don't try to get there early. Did I I just, I just spoke to somebody. I did. I did. I just spoke to somebody. Quit trying to get there early. Your life's not done. It's not over for you. God's still putting breath in your lungs. That means God's got a plan for you. That means God's got joy for you. That means God's got healing for you. That means God's got a future for you. Stop trying to get to heaven early. Now, can I speak to somebody else? Stop trying to avoid it with everything that's in you. So, whoa, 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 preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm saying, don't be afraid of what God's already taken care of. We don't need to fear that. We don't need to fear that. I remember my grandmother, my grandma Freeman, um, as she came to her last days, she would say, I just, I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Grandpa would do the same thing. I'm ready to go home. Why? I got friends there and I've lived a good life here. You know, in their case, they looked at all their children and grandchildren and they said, and God's got you guys. I know he does because they were all following the Lord. And so they just, they were ready to go, but they were, they were in their late eighties, y'all. Some of y'all still healthy in your late eighties. Stop trying to go early. And stop being afraid of what God's already taken care of. You see the balance I just gave you? But understand that sometimes in God's math, the answers aren't what we expect. But God's still good. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Y'all all all right? All right. I just just laid something real deep and heavy on you. Now watch. Watch. I want to show you something. This is a matter of practice. we got to actually pray. This is a matter of passion. We've got to actually believe. 
I need, I, that, that's what I need, is I need you to actually believe that God can. That God can and will do what's best in your life. All you've got to do is ask him. All you've got to do is trust him. All you've got to do is put yourself in his hands. He might heal. He may, he, he may heal in different ways. He might decide to set you free. He might decide to lift you up. He might decide to, he, look, he might deliver you from and he might deliver you through. I don't know. But you've got to trust him. And when you trust him, you can have fervent prayers even in dark moments. Y'all all right? Everybody okay? Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. Hey, will you do me a favor? Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. So it's going to be all right. One more time, look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. So it's going to be all right. Everybody's got it, right? Everybody's got it. That was a heavy, heavy moment, but I needed you to have it because if you didn't, you'd lose faith somewhere. And if you lose faith, you can't pray in power. You got to pray with fervency and power. Everybody's got it? All right, you need to be effective in your prayer. You need to be fervent in your prayer. And then there's this issue of righteousness. Now watch, effectiveness is a matter of practice, okay? And what will, actually, what will I actually pray? Fervency is a matter of passion. What do I actually believe? But righteousness is a matter <clears throat> of position. Where am I in relation to where God wants me to be? Righteousness is defined as following God the way he told us to. Righteousness, the most easy definition I could give you of, of the Greek or Hebrew version of this word is, is doing what is right by God's law. Doing what is right by God's command. Now, here's where I need you to understand something. Your prayers are never what is powerful. We all want to have a powerful prayer life. Every one of us wants to have a powerful prayer life. But you need to understand, as long as you believe your prayers are what's powerful, you'll never have a powerful prayer life. Because if you believe, everybody stay with me, follow me. If you believe your prayers are what's powerful, then you are dealing with pride. And God does not bless pride. God lifts up the humble and brings down the prideful. Bible's very clear on that all the way through scripture. Genesis to Revelation is the same all the way through. God lifts up the humble and brings down. We say, well, what does that mean? Humble doesn't mean I don't believe anything's possible. Oh, I can't do anything. I'm just so weak and, 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 and just got no talent and can't do nothing. I just ain't worth nothing. I can't do nothing. I ain't nobody. I ain't. That is not humility. That's, that, that needs therapy. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> And don't get me wrong, I've been there. All right, don't get me wrong. But, but, but I need you to understand, humility is this. My prayers are not powerful, but my God is. And if I could just get to him, then I can begin to get to a place where powerful things happen. Not because my prayer made them happen, but because my prayer put me in line with my God. And now I can see powerful things happen because I'm lined up with him. See how that works? You say, wait, 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 wait. All you're telling me then is that my prayers position me properly. Yes. That's what I'm telling you. You say, well, Pastor, what about those people that do like prophecy or when they pray something really awesome happens or whatever? What about all that? I'm going to talk about some of that as we go forward in, in, in this month. But today, what I want you to deal with is this. God means for you to pray, 
better than you have before. Well, what does that look like? It looks like what works for you. Everybody hear me. Choose a prayer pattern that will work for you. And the practice of prayer you should use is the one you will actually do. If that's praying while you're driving to work, pray while you drive to work. If that's praying while you walk the dog, pray while you walk the dog. If that's praying while you're watching the news, that's probably a good idea anyway. (laughs) You follow me? Whatever it is, you do what works for you. Pray and God will begin to show you patterns, will begin to show you rhythms in your life. And when you get to a rhythm in your life with prayer and Bible study that is unforced, you'll find a rhythm you'll stay in. Don't let the enemy come after you with guilt because you don't do it the way somebody else does. Everybody's got it? Because the enemy will use that guilt to break you. Don't let him. You pray the way God made you to pray. Because that rhythm of yours, God gave it to you. You say, God didn't get my rhythm is jacked up. God gave it to you. (laughs) And some of you feel like it's jacked up only because you're comparing it to somebody else's. You need to understand. God made you the way you are. Find an effective way to prayer. Number two, always, always believe. And number three, always, always walk. In righteousness. Because in the end, your prayers aren't effective. Your God is. You hear what I'm saying? If I get you to capture anything today, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor something. Look at your neighbor and say, find a way to pray. Tell your neighbor. Find a way to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, find a rhythm that works for you. Tell your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, believe your God. Look at Jamie said, because he will never let you down. Tell him that. I'm gonna make preachers out of y'all yet. All right. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, follow God's word. Follow him because he's great. Even though you're not. Everybody, all right? All right, let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you for everything you've done and everything you will do. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. We praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our lives. We praise you, Lord, for what you want to do in our lives. I just ask, Heavenly Father, that in your way, in your will, in your peace, in your mind, in your time, you would show us what you want from us. Make us people that pray. Not people that pray a specific way, but people that pray. Make us people that trust the God who will never let us down. Therefore, we always believe that he can and will answer. And make us people who follow you, surrendered wholly to what you want in our lives. Every part of us surrendered to your call. Every part of us surrendered to who you are. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.